Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, if you haven't figured it out yet, it's obviously Mother's Day. And um, Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms that are here, all the moms that are watching online, enjoying brunch. Okay. <laughs> Mother's Day, of course, is very special, um, you know, for me, because my mom played a big part in, in me becoming a Christian. It really came out of her drug problem. Um, His mom's drug problem. Yeah. She <laughs> drugged me to church uh, as a kid all the time. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> You got a few groans. Yeah. <laughs> so all I want to say is, you know, you might, might be in the same situation where you got dragged to church today uh, for uh, Mother's Day. Don't worry, you'll survive. It'll be good. But the cool thing is, uh, even when it wasn't um, my will, even if it's not your will, God can still change your will. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, so yeah. Good, good things, good things can happen. Good Thankful can for happen. all those moms who drugged the kids to church. So. That's right. That's yeah, right. It's a good thing. So today, as it's Mother's Day, we wanted to talk about keeping good relationships. And you know, this message isn't just for family. Obviously, this is a really good day for it because we're going to be together as family. But it's also keeping good relationships also important in the workplace, um, amongst friends, and extended family as well. So we all need to learn how to keep good relationships. So this message is going to apply to all types of relationships. And the reality is, as you know, people are different and we're always going to have differences of opinions and different ways of looking things. And it's kind of unrealistic to think that you could put two people in a marriage or two roommates together and two people in a workplace, and there's not going to be differences, and there's not going to be conflict and disagreement. So to expect that we're going to have a conflict-free life is not going to happen. But the problem is divisions and strife destroys homes, destroys extended families, affects neighborhoods, and it destroys the workplace. So our goal today is to recognize conflict and the role of conflict and learn how to navigate it in a healthy way. Mark 3.25 says a home filled with strife and division destroys itself. And that's the saddest thing we've seen. uh, We've heard about extended families that are divided. I remember growing up, people saying, we don't see my aunt and uncle. We've got nothing to do with them. And I was just at a funeral recently, and, I was, and this woman was talking about how they never see one side of the family, the in-laws. You know, not that they were, like, harmful or any kind of dangerous or anything, unsafe, but they just didn't get along. They just didn't like them. They found them difficult to get along with. And it's so sad because the grandkids never got to see that whole side of the family. And, and I just think it's really not helpful at all. I think that's really sad. And I've heard it said that no one wins when there's separation like this. No one wins when there's this kind of division in a family. Absolutely. Well, conflict comes in all sorts of different forms. And so in order to help diffuse it, you know, I think a lot of times we just need to first understand it. And a lot of times, you know, that knowledge, that understanding can help us 
So we're going to have a look at just some of the different sources of, of conflict, and some of them um, might be things that you've not even, you know, considered. But first one is this, just the conflict of personality, just the fact that we're all different in our personalities, therefore we are all different in our approaches to life and how we do things. And with so many different life situations, these personalities um, are just going to handle problems differently, and then it can create um, you know, it can create misunderstanding and conflict and all kinds of different things. I mean, think about it. You can be at like a family reunion, you know, and, and you're at the family reunion barbecue and somebody has their plate of food, but they accidentally end up dropping the hot dog. Well, you've got all these personalities that are around them that are going to respond completely differently to that circumstance and that scenario. You've got one personality that's going to be the, you know, mobilize the cleanup crew. They're all about, well, this, we got to get this tidied up right, right now. You got another personality who's going to make a joke about, about it and make sure everybody hears it and we all have a good laugh. There's always, you know, there's always that one person who There's does always that. that one person. <laughs> who makes light of every situation. Make, yes, I don't know who they would be, but there's always <laughs> that one person. Then there's that person that will just, you know, try to make them feel better and, and how, oh, that's too bad. Then there's that comfort kind of person come along, put their arm around them and mourn <laughs> the hot dog together, <laughs> you know. And then, of course, there's the education person who comes oh. along and says, here, let me help you. And they'll grab the plate. They'll show them where to put the potato salad and where to put the coleslaw <laughs> and how the hot dog should be placed in between so that they can't roll off, you see, and... Totally educate. Don't, don't we all love that and, person? Uh, <laughs> do that. Wants to teach you how to do it. Yeah, yeah, the annoying detail person. Did I say the word annoying? At any rate. Um, That's not me. None of those, by the way, are necessarily like wrong or the best option even for that matter. But the problem becomes in how we then judge different personalities. And so, you know, somebody might look at how another person handles that situation as a, you know, crazy example and think, oh, you overreacted or, oh, you made light of something that's important. Don't you realize there's people starving all around the world and we wasted a hot dog? <laughs> um, you know, maybe they're just being too picky about the problem or, or get over it already or I would have done it this way. I don't understand why they don't do it my way. Mm -hmm. And so you can easily see where personality alone can create conflict and how we set expectations because basically this is what it is. We want everybody else's personality to be like our personality because our personality is the best. Yeah. And we can react to those different scenarios and those different people and personalities and then judge them based on ours. We see what it should be based on how we would have done it. Right, and every personality has strengths and they have weaknesses. And so I've got this big coin here, and I got it this big so it'll really go in your brain today. And what I've heard is that people are like a coin that have two sides. So we've got, obviously, the head, the nice side. And you can think of the head as the pleasant part, the strengths of the personality, the things that we see most of the time, and that's all the wonderful parts about their personality, all their gifts and things like that. But then we have the other side, and that is the part that Dennis was talking about, sometimes the annoying behavior, how somebody reacts and how it's annoying to us. You know, so, this is, so we've got the heads, the strength side, and then we've got the tails, or you could even say the butt side. Maybe you remember. We don't have tails, but we do have butts. So, I mean, if that helps you to remember that maybe you're seeing the, the butt side of them right now. Maybe you're seeing that negative part of them right now. But remember, they have another side. 
They have a whole other side that you have to remind yourself that there's an, after seeing this, there's something nice on the other side. They've got strengths that you need to remember when you see the negative part. So um, for extended family and friends, you might not, you can't always address it. I mean, obviously, behavior that's not helpful, behavior that's wrong, we need to address it in family. But sometimes with extended family and friends, you can't really address it. You're not going to see them change. So if anyone's ever been to the house of an organized person and you appreciate their organized house and you like going to their house because supper's going to be on time and all the food's going to be ready when you get there and their place always looks so great and neat and tidy. Is the plastic still on the couch? Yeah, well, not not anymore. Not that organized. Not that bad. But, you know, you go to somebody's house and you appreciate that. That's why you like going to their house. It's not a mess and they've they've got great food. But that same organized person, sometimes when you put things in the dishwasher, they're going to rearrange it for you, you know, and that can be frustrating. Um, We had an extended family person that was like that. They had a beautiful home. Everything was decorated to the nines. It was always decorated for the holidays. Everything was color-coordinated, and their food was over the top. I mean, they weren't just doing your basic frozen lasagna. They had it all, and it was wonderful, and you appreciated everything about that. But when you go in, you know, you obviously you want to help because they've done so much that day. And I remember going in and, you know, helping to put the flowers in a vase. And then she comes along behind me and changes where they go in the vase. And I put the set the table. Well, of course, I just sort of set the table, but she knows how to set the table. So she's behind me, you know, changing everything I do. She's changing it. But, you know, that's just the other side. That's just the that's just the maybe the negative side of that person that you're seeing but you have to remember that they have strengths and they have weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the temptation be like, you know what, you know, she's, I'm going to give up. You know, she just doesn't like anything I'm doing. You know, forget it. I'm not going to help. The temptation in that moment is to get upset and to get frustrated and to judge them for their personality differences. So what we're saying is each of us has our own personality that totally affects how we deal with life situations. Your personality affects the way you see situations as well in the ways that you handle them. And one of the most, the, one of the most helpful things I found is just reading and learning about personality differences. And so I found one recently I really like called the Enneagram system. And if you can get a Christian version of that system, it's awesome because it explains the different personalities. And like Dennis was saying, not everybody reacts like you. Not everybody acts like you. And you think, you know, they should do it this way or they should do it that way or they should, you know, they shouldn't criticize or whatever. All people act and react differently. And so I found it really helps me. We want to give grace to others. We want to give grace to others about their personality. And that one has really helped me to understand the different temperaments and how they act in situations. So for an example, I have an extended family member who's terrible on answering the phone they're terrible about answering texts. Does anybody have somebody like that in the world? I mean, don't put up your hand if you're beside them. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we all have people in our world who, you know, they don't answer the phone. They don't answer the text. Um, that, you know, when it comes to a family gathering, they're the last one there and then the first one to go home. And I could be so frustrated with that person. You know, I could be so frustrated to say, you know, they don't value me. They don't care. I don't need this person in my life. You know, like they just don't seem to extend the same care because they don't interact like that. But I've learned to extend grace in those kind of situations. I've learned that that person just is not great socially. This person, they find social situations very draining. Not that they shouldn't change and grow, but as an extended family member, I'm not going to change them. As somebody I don't see very often, I'm not going to change them. So we all have our particular weaknesses. We need grace from others. First of all, we need grace too, right? We need grace for the way we are. 
but we also need to learn to extend grace to others. So what am I saying? I'm saying manage expectations according to their personality types. Yeah. You're going to have so much more peace in your life and your peace in your relationships when you realize that you can't change people. Now, we all hear that, but we don't believe it. We believe we can change people. You know, we criticize them. We've heard that saying. But a good saying is you can never control others and how they react or act. But one thing you can't control is your reactions. So you can't control how they act. I can't control how that person acts, but I can control my reactions. The only thing you can control is your expectations and how you react. You handle these conflicts not through a change in circumstance, but through a change in your attitude. Yeah, I I think sometimes we, um, you know, we have these conflicts and they're different personalities, but our tendency is to look and then say, oh, that's a character flaw. Right, And of course, if we see a character flaw, we're like, well, if that's a character flaw, then you need to change mm-hmm. because, you know, you can change your character. You are who you are. You can. And yet it's not a character flaw. It is their personality. It's who they are as a person. It's how they see life, how they see the world, how they process events. And so if we, if we don't understand that, if we don't appreciate, okay, they're a different personality type. They just see and process things differently. We may judge it as a character flaw uh, incorrectly. Another one is the conflict of desires and, and motives. James 4.1 says, Do you know where your fights and your arguments come from? They come from the selfish desires that war within you. And so our motives are not always as pure as we think that they are. I know we all do. I do. You do. We all think our motives are just great. But you know what? We have to practice a self-awareness, a sense of, of realizing that you know, maybe if we react to somebody, maybe if we act out, that we have to pause and ask, well, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why did I respond that way? And, um, you know, is there some other motivation? Was I doing this because I was maybe afraid of how somebody might look at me or afraid of being rejected or uh, afraid of not measuring up or some other motivation uh, that was there? It's only when we learn to give preference, though, to others, instead of demanding our own way, that we can actually overcome this particular source of conflict. As Romans 12, verse 10 says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Rather than giving our judgment of of things, give preference. Which leads me to the next one, judging motives. Judging motives. Here's the deal. We do not clearly know the motives of anybody around us. You know, you'll hear people say, well, I'm a, I'm a good judge of, of people. Uh, you know I, I know, I know their heart. No, you don't. You're taking your best guess at it, but you do not know people's hearts. All you know are their actions. That's what you know. You do not know their heart. You do not know what motivates them. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know what they're concerned about right now. You don't know what, uh, you know, conflicts they've gone through, what hurts they've experienced, what fears they have. You don't know their heart. All you know is the actions are going right now. And when we lean into judging motives, we mess up in relationships all the time. Judgment is about speaking to why someone did what they did rather than just speaking to what happened. We can speak to what happened. Hey, this happened. This was the situation. Let's clarify the details. Okay, we need to sort this out. But we can't come into it going, you know, you are like this kind of person and and try to judge them. 
Judging motives is a guessing game at its very best, and it just messes things up. You know what? Their motive might have been that they care. It might have been a fear of judgment on them or a fear of rejection or a fear of failure. It might have been, hey, I just wanted to help. And yet you could be judging them as, oh, you just want the attention. And you're just completely missing it. Or, you know, maybe they felt like, well, I didn't want to be left out, et cetera. There are so many motives that can go into any number of actions and contributions that people make. That's why judging it is so wrong. Judgment then becomes, if you go there, if you begin to get into judging people about their motives, what will end up happening is it's like the pair of sunglasses that you put on every time you look at that person. And so you judge their motivation of being a certain way. It's like, oh, these are my amber sunglasses. Now, whenever I uh, interact with that person, I put those on. That's what I'm seeing through. That's how I see them. I see them according to the judgment that I've made on them and the motivation that I've judged them as having. It's like you've barcoded that person, so to speak, because judgment tends to label people. Oh, you were, you were inconsiderate. You're an inconsiderate person. And I just look at you and everything you do, and I, I can find something about your actions and your what's coming out of your mouth to being inconsiderate. Why? Because I've got my glasses on. I'm actually looking for it. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, love is ever ready to believe the best of every person in the Amplified Version. Love believes all things. Love believes the best. And, um, and so that's the, that's the attitude that we need to carry and not go to a place of, of judging motives. Now, what are some of the wrong ways that we attempt to resolve conflict? Well, one of them is just avoiding, just avoiding, avoiding the person, avoiding the problem. Uh, you know, we're like, well, we can't. And, and then what we do too is we decide, well, I can't change them. So I'm just gonna avoid interaction with them. And, uh, and sort of this attitude of uh, this kind of passive way of, of handling things. But you know what? Problems don't just go away and circumstances just don't disappear. We still live in them. We still have them. But maybe we have like this, if we've gone to the place of judgment, then we can justify avoiding them or avoiding the problem because we're like, well, this is the kind of person they are. So if I interact with them, if I talk to them about it, I already know the response I'm going to get, right? What have you done? You judged them, judged their motivation. Now you've prejudged, prejudiced, prejudged how they're going to respond when you talk to them about the situation. So what do you do? That validates you to avoid them. The next one is anger. Anger is one of the ways that we try to resolve conflict and frankly, it's because we're convinced that it works. What happens is we, we get into conflict, we, we you know, get angry, express ourselves, and then we get our way. We inflict control on the situation through our anger. And here's what we've done. We may have controlled the situation, but we've not resolved the conflict, right? That's still there. It, it makes, uh, you know, we think we've made the problem go away, but the conflict is still very much alive, even though you got your way, through anger rather than doing what we just talked about, preferring the other person. The other thing about anger is this. Now we have two problems. We have the problem that we were trying to address, and now actually our attention is off of that and onto the person that's the crazy person that's acting out in anger. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing is that when you get angry in a situation and frustrated, they're not looking at the problem. Now they're looking at you and going, boy, you're crazy. You know, that person's crazy. So, so it doesn't help when we inflict anger and in our emotions. We really need to watch that in a situation when we're discussing things. So the next thing that's, that does not work in trying to handle conflict is gossip. And I know we all know that gossip is wrong, but I know in the past I've like, why am I talking about this? Why am I talking about this with somebody else? We need to really know that self-awareness is, I'm talking about this situation because I'm angry and frustrated. You know, and that the root of gossip is anger. The root of gossip is, I'm angry and I'm going to tell somebody else. It doesn't solve the situation. Now you just got two mad people. Now you have somebody just hearing your side, so it doesn't solve the problem. Sometimes you can, you can talk to someone, and you know, sometimes we do have to have a discussion with somebody, and, but the only people you should be talking to is somebody who's mature enough and has enough wisdom to help you to resolve it, right. and help you go deal with it properly. Right. Not somebody that's going to go, oh yeah, you're right, you know, and just kind of side with you. Our temptation is to go to somebody who's going to side with us, but we need to go to somebody who'll call you out and say, you're overreacting in this situation. Right. You're reading this situation wrong. That's the only time or how to handle it properly. But we should not be just spilling it out to somebody else just in the name of anger, just because we've got anger in our hearts. And so what's your motive for talking about it? That's, that's something to really look at. And parents, I really want to warn you about gossip in the home. And, you know, sometimes parents, you know, you think the kids aren't listening. When you tell them to do something, they act like they're deaf. But you start gossiping. Our kids were all deaf. Yeah. <laughs> But it, when if, they got older, they got a miraculous healing. But, but you ever notice that when you start okay, to talk but, about something that you don't want them to hear, all of a sudden their little ears perk up yeah, and they hear yeah, everything? Yeah. So, you know, what, it's just like people have an ear for gossip. People in general have an ear for gossip. And the, in Proverbs, it says it really well. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the innermost parts. So it's just something about gossip. People are just like, ooh, I want to hear it, you know, and kids especially. So make sure that you're not gossiping. It's a backdoor approach to dealing with conflict. So. You know, going back to that scripture too, like choice morsels that go down the innermost parts. Gossip is um, not just feeding information. You're not just sharing information, but you're actually imparting an attitude. Mm-hmm. And so if, right. if you have a home where, you know, the parents are gossiping about, you know, a relative a neighbor, church. Mm-hmm. Oh, we don't want to say that in church. Yeah. But we did. You're imparting an attitude. Yeah. And, uh, and you're mm-hmm. also giving them permission to do exactly what you're doing in their future adulthood. So, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and there, there are people who will go and talk to their friends about their problems with their spouse or family members, or they talk to somebody at work about something, but they never speak directed to the people that they have the problems with. Right. And that's super important. Proverbs encourages us not to get involved in being hooked into gossip. Gossip's like a bait. And you have to remember, like we said, there's a, a, a coin. There's two sides to a coin. There's always two sides to a story. So there's always two sides to every single story. You, you've heard that before. And it's so true. As parents, do you remember when we've got little kids that come to us and, and they go, Mom, he did this terrible thing to me. And you go, wow, that sounds awful. And, but then you hear the other side of the, of the story. Then you hear what they did first and, where, and how they were being difficult. And that's why this ended up happening. One of the best advices we got as parents is, is we would tell our kids, go and get it. Because each one has their version of the story, right? They always forget to tell the part that they did wrong first. 
But just say, go and find a version. Go get a version of the story. Go look at a story that you could both agree with. So they'd have to go off and come up with a version of the story that they both agreed with. And you said I'd never hear from them after that. You know, <laughs> they would go off and they'd just work it out. Yeah. You know, so rather than you playing judge and jury, trying to figure out, okay, you said, and you said, you said, you know, that's just frustrating. They would go, go off and they would come up with their own version of the story. And that, that worked really well. So I think the same thing with people um, is that, you know, you can hear two sides of the story. Have you ever been trapped into the bait of doing that with people? Hearing one side of the story and then making a judgment? Have you ever had that happen to you? Like someone tells you something, and I know for me, if you're a justice person, you hear like they did this to me and you go, how, how dare they? You know, that's terrible. I'm gonna go give them a piece of my mind. You know, so you, you hear this stuff and sometimes I got caught and trapped into that bait, hearing the one side. It's just so interesting how we tell our side of the story. We might forget a few details of, of what we did as well and how we contributed. So that can happen with us as well. Don't take that bait. Don't take the bait and, and think, you know, what they did was wrong and, and go over there. And I've been so embarrassed when I've done this. I've been so embarrassed when I've charged up to a person and said, I heard you did this and find out there was another whole side of the story. So yeah, yeah. don't take that bait. Remember there's two sides of a story. But how do you handle it? When you, you do hear about something, ask, just go up and ask for clarity. Go up yeah. and just say, hey, I heard this happen. You know, what's your version of the story? Go up and ask for clarity don't jump to conclusions. Don't take that there bait. And that's go. just good advice for bosses too. There you go. So Proverbs 26, 17 says it really well. Like one who takes a dog by the ears is he who passes by and meddles with strife not belonging to him. So, you know, if you get caught up in stuff like that, that's not going to let you have peace. You're going to get caught up in other people's problems. You're like somebody who passes by and gets, gets just in the middle of a dog fight. Yes. Well, the other way that we respond... Um, that's not healthy, and that is just cutting off the relationship. People just cut it off that, uh, well, you know what? I'm just not going to talk to them. And um, I'm just, you know, now here's what we're not talking about. We're not talking about someone who's physically or emotionally like an abusive person to where it's, it's a matter of personal safety. But we're talking about this sort of, hey, if you want to play ball the way I want to play ball, well, I'm going to take my bat and glove and go home kind of attitude. And leaving is a simple way of avoiding confrontation. And it's like, well, I'm not, I just don't want to go to that place of having a confrontation. Well, you know, confrontation as a word kind of gets a bad rap because a lot of times what we think is a, is a confrontation is actually uh, just lighting a match to an argument where it's like, I need to go up and I need to tell them what they did wrong and I need to, you know, say it with authority and a tone and put them in their place, all this stuff. Actually, the word just simply means face-to-face. That's what, that's what it means. It means having a conversation. And that's what the confrontation is. So it, it, it's, you know, cutting people off is about avoiding a face-to-face where we say, hey, this has gone on. We need to talk about it. You know, and like Leslie said, start with clarifying the situation, you know, and, and that kind of thing. But it's also a way, you know, cutting them off is also a way to avoid you changing too. Because sometimes what happens is when we have that face-to-face and we get more information, we may realize our contribution to the conflict, Mm -hmm. how there was things that we could have done better, that we could have said better, that we could have done that would have helped to avoid them uh, responding the way that they did. And so, you know what? Going up and having the face-to-face takes uh, an attitude of humility to be open to seeing our part in the situation and a willingness for us to change as, as well. 
So we want to do our part now to, to keep good relationships. And as we've said, it's not about changing the person, mm -hmm. but here's what we can change. We can change our expectations. We can change our expectations. One of the ways we do that is that we can expect to make up for what others might lack. You can say, well, you know, they have issues, they have a blind spot, whatever. Well, what's the solution? Well, the solution is help them in their weakness. Help to make up where they lack. Romans 15, one and two says this. Now, we who are strong ought to criticize and critique the weaknesses of those. No, sorry, I didn't read that quite right. <laughs> now, we who are strong ought to what? Bear the weaknesses of those who, without strength, and not just please ourselves, but each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. And so what it's saying is that we need to accommodate their weakness rather than criticize it. Instead of expecting them to change, expect that you may have to actually help them in their weakness, that you may have to use your personality and your gifts to help rather than to criticize them. And, and instead of that, you know, you're, you're going to make up the difference. So maybe you're, you know, living with or you're working with or whatever, somebody who's often late. Well, maybe you're going to be that person to have the conversation about what time are we leaving? Not what time should we be there, but what time are we leaving? Two, two different conversations, aren't they? You know, so what are you doing? You're using your strength to help with their weakness rather than just criticizing. You're always late. Oh, there you go. Late again. Well, you know what? You're going to have a lot more harmony in your relationships if you just use your strength to accommodate their weakness. Maybe they're a disorganized person. You're an organized person. Have you ever noticed how God puts opposites together in marriage? He does that because he likes good fights. No, that's not why. What we've got to do is clue into the fact that our spouse may be opposite to us in some areas so that they can be our strength to our weakness. We can be a strength to their weakness. Can I get an amen? Yes. All right, okay. Yeah, the, and then the last thing is having a reconciling attitude is super important. So what we want to do is we need to go into everything with a spirit of reconciliation. Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. So go into that every situation with, you know, I could do this too. Like, with just kind of standing back and think, I have my own flaws and my own shortcomings. Going in with that kind of humility and grace. You know, instead of, you hear the term putting somebody in their place. How many times do you want to go, I'm going to go put them in their place. You know, instead... Why don't you have an attitude of going in, putting yourself in their place, thinking about what they're going through, thinking about the struggles they're going through, why they did what they did. Grace is not just the, of what they, seeing what they do, but the why of what they do, just putting yourself in their place with grace. What's going on in their past? What's going on in their world? Maybe they're tired. Maybe they're stressed. Consider what's going on in, that's causing this conflict. And then the great thing is approaching them with a, even a question like, what's going on? What's going on that's causing this problem? So, and then the last thing is do your part. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Such a great scripture. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, putting the onus back on you, live at peace with everyone. Not just... You know, I hear people say, you know, I've got nothing against them. You know, I haven't talked to them for 10 years, but they know where I am. I'm here. No, they haven't come. 
You know, I've got nothing against them. They just don't contact me. But you need to have, the, the onus needs to be on you. What can you do to make the relationship? What can you do to create the relationship? What can you do to mend the relationship? What are you doing to create and stay in relationship with those people? Do you call? Do you stay in touch? At the very least, send gifts and cards, even if it's a difficult person, you could at least do that. Make the relationship, make the point of staying in touch, even when that person is difficult. Yeah, I, I think what you're saying there is so important because you know, we can have a, a position that says, well, they have my number if they wanna call me or whatever, but that's not what the scripture's saying. The scripture's saying, you be the person to initiate reconciliation. You be the person to initiate harmony, peace, getting along, staying in, in relationship with, with that person. You know, as we begin to wrap up, uh, one of the things about this message and everything that we're talking about, we're talking about it on a horizontal level, people to people, uh, family to family, spouse to spouse, workmates, whatever it may be. But you know what? Everything that we're sharing that uh, works with that horizontal is actually what God does on the vertical between us. He is gracious with us. He knows we have weaknesses, but he's not using it as a judgment against us. He is merciful with us. God wants to uh, help us to, like we talk about, you know, being forgiving towards others. Well, he's forgiving towards us. We, we don't have to live in bitterness towards others. God doesn't live in bitterness towards us. He chooses to be forgiving, he chooses to be merciful. He, Jesus went to the cross to redeem us. He made up for our weakness called sin through his strength of righteousness so that we can be made right with God. That we don't have to live at distance with God. We don't have to miss out in his plan. And I think one of the greatest ways that, that we actually learn to be the kind of people that can live in harmony with others is when we've experienced it between us and the Lord. It's like when we've experienced God's forgiveness of us, it gives us reason to be forgiving to others. When we've experienced God being gracious, favorable towards us, it gives us reason to be gracious towards others. And I wanna take a moment to pray with you as we close, I invite you to stand and um, as we take this moment of prayer. Because, you know, you may be here and um, have never yet accepted Christ into your life. You haven't begun a relationship with Jesus and discovered the amazing plan that God has for your life. This isn't just getting some fire insurance and yeah, I better pray that prayer and make sure if I died and you know, on my way home, I get hit by a Mack truck, I'm gonna go to heaven. No, that, that's not the gospel, okay? Here's the gospel. God loves you so much that he died for you and rose again so you could have a brand new life, be forgiven, not be controlled by sin, and that you could walk in relationship with him and live out the amazing destiny and purpose that he has for your life. And we discover that out of relationship with Jesus. And that relationship starts with a prayer where we simply say, okay, I surrender. I acknowledge, you know what, I got sin, but I thank, thankfully you can forgive that. And I wanna begin that walk with you, God. And I'm saying yes, to you in my life and then growing it from there. And you know, I believe there's people in the room today that are ready to say their yes to God. And it's not an accident that you're here. You're not just here because it's Mother's Day and you got drug out. You're here because you have an appointment with the Heavenly Father yeah. who's calling you into His family and to live in harmony with Him. If we just bow our heads, I want to pray that prayer. And you know what? No matter who you are that, it was, that would be saying in your own heart, I need this prayer today. I need to take this step today. Know this. All of us are praying it with you in support of you here today. So let's pray that. Lord Jesus, I thank you 
that you love me enough that you would die for me, that you would bring reconciliation between me and the Father. I ask you to forgive me and I invite you into my life and I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. I'm gonna follow you with all of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.